Hey guys, looking for some new custom apparel for your next business bonding retreat, your next rush event, or to thank your employees with some new swag? Check out sunshinefits.com. Specializing in custom t-shirts, hoodies, masks, and hats, Sunshine Fits is the best place to get all of your clothing needs at the absolute best price. Nationwide shipping is available. Use the promo code PICKUPTHEBLITZ for 10% off your first order. Check out sunshinefits.com or email service at gmail.com for bulk prices. Sunshine Fits, put a little sunshine in what you wear. Bonjour, hello, and happy Tuesday, everybody. That's right, it's Tuesday here on the Pick Up the Blitz podcast, the show where a guy and his former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with the one, the only, Nick Bellotto. And today, uh, for our special middle-of-the-week show, uh, we were doing weekly shows this summer as we recap and grade all the each division's off-season, give a report card grade to each team for their draft and free agency. But today, middle of the week, we've got some special Dolphins news. Miami Dolphins news to talk about this episode. As most of you probably know by now, Nick and I are both South Florida natives, Miami Dolphins fans. And so when possible, we like to do Dolphins-focused, Dolphins-specific episodes. So that's what we'll be doing today. There's a lot going on down in South Florida regarding our Miami Dolphins. The team just opened its first minicamp um, practice of the offseason, first day of mandatory minicamp, which will run through uh, Thursday uh, before the team takes its uh, midsummer break before training camp. Uh, and of course, we have a lot of contract news coming out of Miami, both uh, from yesterday and from today. So we'll go into all of that. And uh, Nick got the chance to attend Brian Flores' press conference uh, on Zoom today. So we'll get to break down all the things uh, that Nick heard from that press conference, as well as recapping what actually happened on the practice field, which was apparently very wet today. I don't know if anyone saw the reports out of Miami, but it was monsooning. I was driving yes. down uh, I-95 earlier today, and it was not it was not a fun drive. So, Nick, why don't you uh, kick us off since you've got uh, a lot of uh, – a lot of things to discuss from your attending of the press conference. Yeah, so uh, I got lucky today to attend both Brian Flores' uh, press conference at the beginning, right, of the day, uh, I guess pre, uh, pre-workouts, pre pre-practice, and then I was able to also attend at the end with some of the players who came on and, uh, and talked about what was going on over the course of the day. Of course, it's a mini-camp day, and I think nothing really should be looked into that in depthly, uh, but the first player that we got to hear from was Tua, um, and he was talking a little bit about some of the some of the different things that uh, that were going on today. Um, and I think I think it's you know been reported now that he threw five interceptions today, um, which is a lot for everybody. It's just a lot, right? But we it's have to lot. take a lot, a lot of, those, of interceptions. It's a lot, but those interceptions, I think, need to be taken with uh, a grain of salt. Actually, yeah. I would say a lot of grain of salt. Maybe even a many grains. If we're if we're being uh, fair, right? Let me tell a whole sandcastle's worth of of of, of salt grains. I, I yes, but. I am. I'm in favor of that because you know everybody. And I was looking at Twitter um, as I was putting together a piece to to kind of sum up the the day uh, for Fin Fanatic earlier. Um, 
a lot of people, especially the the major reporters that are out there, you know, they were just saying, all right, well, two or through five interceptions. No one, uh, you know, brought up the fact that it was like a hurricane outside and the Dolphins decided to practice anyway uh, because there was no lightning warning, right? They just practiced in the rain. So I don't – listen, Justin, you've thrown a football around before. I've thrown a football around before. It's hard to throw a football well in a monsoon, right? I would just assume I've never been in a monsoon throwing a football around, but just based on my knowledge of a wet football, uh, monsoon-like conditions are going to make it hard for anybody um, to, to throw the ball effectively. So I don't think, you know, there were a couple of people that, you know, the world was burning and it's time to get rid of Tua once again uh, out there. And, you know, after one disgusting day, I just, I, guys, everyone needs to just relax. I don't understand what you're expecting in that kind of weather. You know what I would say to all the people who are complaining about Tua uh, struggling to throw the football today, you go do it. And when you don't throw five interceptions, you know, let me know. Let so, me know. I, I mean, uh, I know this was the news of the day. I mean, we got, we got a, we kind of got to cover it. But I'll say, I'm, I'm, I'm like a Tua stan, right? I'm, I'm a huge Tua fan. I'm always defending him. I'm all about that. Last year, because of being benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, his actual performance was completely put in negative light and all that kind of stuff. I will say that Monsoon or not, your starting quarterback you're hoping to be your franchise future should not throw five interceptions uh, under under any – and I think you would agree with that, right? Under any conditions, if this were a game, I don't care if it's Monsooning, Tua can't throw five picks. But it's not but a game. It's, it's exactly. not a game. That, that's what everyone seems to be missing is – I I just this is this is where I'm going with this. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that in every single practice across the NFL minicamp session, there are several days where quarterbacks have three, four, five picks. But it's just not. It, it doesn't blow up Twitter because it's not Tua, and because it's not this whole crazy quarterback situation that people are pretending Miami is in, right? I understand they probably were actually involved in Deshaun Watson discussions, but most things considered, Tua was the starting quarterback going forward, and people are just blowing things out of proportion. So because it was Tua, we're hearing all about five interceptions. That does not exonerate him. He should not have thrown five picks. It was a horrible practice day for Tua Tungavailoa. He had a terrible day at practice. But it's June. It's minicamp. Relax. Yeah, that's right. Listen, I, I, yes, it's a, it was a bad day in terms of the, the, the num, the unofficial numbers, right? But if you listen to what Tua was saying, I know I was there, right? I'm not trying to say anything, but he was telling the everybody that was in the room that they were trying to push the ball downfield and work on some deep ball plays. In the middle of a monsoon, what do you expect to happen? I genuinely don't understand what you – what other outcome would you have expected? Anyone. Anyone. Who cares? Move on with your life. Leave the kid alone. Brian Flores said that he's very happy with the progression that he's been making and in all the other offseason stuff that he's been doing, very impressed with the things that have been going on around Tua, who is, remember, going into his first real offseason, right, and really getting the practice that he needs. You know, it's funny. One of the other players that was on that call earlier today was was Noah Igbenogany. And he was saying the same thing. You know, one of the – I don't remember who it was who asked him the question, but they asked him what the difference between last year and this year was. And he was like, I got a full offseason. 
so like I'm I'm able to practice. I'm able to figure out what's going on. I'm able to talk to people in a real way. Like everybody, just do me a favor. Shut up. Until <laughs> until until Tua, Tua throws five interceptions in a preseason game, everybody shut up. New offense, new receivers, monsoon weather. Right? Do not don't stop. Just just stop. There's literally anything better you can do with your time. Stop freaking out about this. Exactly. Like, would you would we rather this not happen at all? Of course. But if it's going to happen, let's let it happen in June, on on June fifteenth, right? When when yeah. we're months away from football mattering, let's work out the kinks now, right? Yes. And learn from it and move on. Yes. And so, in the spirit 100%. of moving on, let's move on from that topic. Love it. Um, there, there was a lot. There was a lot discussed in Brian Flores' press conference, and I think most notably, of course, is, is this Xavier Howard situation, right? So, for anyone who's not aware, Xavier Howard signed a very large contract with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I believe it was now two off-seasons ago. Um, the contract at the time made him the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. Uh, subsequently, as happens with free agency, other cornerbacks have been paid since, one of which is on his own team, and Byron Jones, who's now paid more. Xavier Howard's deal, which averages $15 million a year, it was a five-year, $75 million deal, uh, has a base salary this year of only $12 million, uh, which is the highest base salary remaining. It's 12, 12, 11, and 11 in these final four years of the deal. Um, and so... David Howard says, listen, I was the best cornerback in the NFL last year. I would like a raise, please. Uh, I don't want to be the second highest paid cornerback on my team. I want to be one of, if not the highest paid cornerbacks in the entire NFL, which he is certainly deserving of. But there are all these different factors in play. Uh, Brian Flores had some interesting quotes on this whole ordeal that I certainly have some opinions on. But you were there. You heard the context and the intonation and the tone. I'd love to hear what your thoughts were. Uh, and if you could sort of explain to us exactly what was said and what wasn't said and all the subtext that you understood from yes, that situation. So, so he definitely called it unique, right? One of the things that he kept stressing was that this was different, right, than, the, than, a, than you know, bringing in a free agent or, or signing someone to a new contract. It was all about the renegotiation of the, the current deal, right? He kept using that word renegotiation, renegotiation, and he kept using the word unique. Uh, from where I was sitting, it didn't sound to me like they were it sounded to me almost like there was kind of an understanding about this this whole process right how as coming off the year that he came off of no one's really upset that that Howard is in the process of trying to seek more money based on what he just did right and I think Brian Flores made it very clear um, that he is a fan of Xavier Howard he wants Xavier Howard on the team right so I, I don't know I'm interested to hear what you what you thought about it um, Justin, because from what I understood, it seemed like, you know, it was a process that they obviously need to figure out. But if all goes according to plan, Howard will be on the team. Okay, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that, because from what I read, right, I'm reading the quotes. I I took a little bit of something different from it. It almost sounded a, a little passive aggressive. So Flores mentioned like, from what I read, a few times, we're handling this internally. This is going to be dealt with internally, 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 internally. Stop asking kind of thing. Um, but then he talked about it. You know, he talked about the fact that they renegotiated. This is a contract that he signed two years ago. And I was trying to renegotiate it two years after, even though it's a five-year deal. 
um, and we love X, and he's productive. And then he used he's a team player. I, I, that almost sounded like an underhanded shade to me because he's not there. How much of a team player could you be when you're not there? And I know, listen, they're in the NFL, short amount of time, got to get all the money you got to get. I'm not sliding Xavier Howard. I'm just trying to interpret the the quotes I'm reading. And then the, the last piece for me that felt like it was maybe someone passive-aggressive is uh, when, when Flores discussed Jerome Baker's extension. Jerome Baker, obviously, will go into that as well just got a, a very large contract extension. Uh, he used the words, uh, he's smart, he's tough, he's team first, he wants to be here, and we're happy to reward him. And just in the con- – I don't know when that was said in the context of X's uh, discussion, but that's like a very different tone than the way he talked about X. I think, I think that was one of the first if – I don't, if I remember correctly, I think that might have been one of the first – questions that was asked was about Jerome Baker. I think there were a couple a couple questions about uh, Tua, then a, a quick question about was X there? Um, sure. And then uh, I think they talked about Jerome Baker pretty quick. Uh, I don't remember the exact order of things, but from my recollection of it, it, it didn't seem like it was an underhanded slight against Xavier Howard. Um, it, it genuinely just felt like they were rewarding a guy who they felt was necessary of being rewarded. Right. Um, and I, I, I think you can't look at them together. I think you need to look at the, the way that Flores handled the questions as two separate things. I also wonder, you know, with the some of the words that Flores was using and some of the, the way that he was saying things, I wonder how much of it just was him trying to move on because that's not his he doesn't have those conversations. Right. He's not involved with the money side of thing. He's just there to coach football. Right. So I, I wonder, you don't think he's involved you know, in the contract discussions? You, you think you think he's sitting down drawn up numbers no. with Zay no, 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 Howard's no. agent? No, but I do think that when it seems like him and Chris Greer do everything hand in hand, right? So uh, of course it's Greer's final say with regards to the contract, but I would imagine that if 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 Flores says to Greer, um, I could win without X let's not overpay that has a very different weight than if he says, Chris, figure this out. Kind of yeah. Thing. But that's, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, no, 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 I know. The, I'm just saying he's the, the, the involved in the discussion. Uh, okay. But that, you and I both know that's not what I meant. Right. Because obviously he's going to be involved to an extent, but it's not like he's going to be the one calling Xavier Howard's agents. Right. And, and that's what's, I mean, the way the questions are being asked, it was almost like, all right, what are you doing about it? Well, I, I'm coaching football, and I have an opinion, but that's my job. Okay, but – okay, so we were both on very opposite opposite ends there, but I would imagine that it's uh, not necessarily as un- uninvolved as I'm just coaching the team. It, that's just the sense I get from the way they talk about things in press conferences together – the way they talk about decisions being made for the draft, the way they talk about I, decisions I being made that. in free agency. Uh, I, I have a feeling that Flores' call has a lot of weight. Sure. I, with I, this I'm, team. Again, I'm not, I'm not debating and it's not every team, that he has a, but, has a say. I'm, I'm saying that, you know, a lot of, we got to, there was a lot of coach speak in a lot of the things that were yes. being said today. And that's, and if you read the transcript, a lot of it was coach speak, Right. A good team player. Good, you know, we want to do what's best for the team. You know, blah, blah, blah. it's all about coach speak, right? That's just, it just happens. It honestly, to me, was like 
you know, he had been asked a couple of questions about Howard, and he we were ready to move on. So let me ask you then what you think should be done here, because this is a very delicate, very sensitive situation. And, you know, obviously there are a couple options here. Either X holds out or X gets his deal and comes back or they say, sorry, we're not doing this. Who wants to give us a bunch of first round picks? Those are probably the three scenarios we have in play. How do you handle this if you're, Miami's GM, considering where they are cap-wise, considering the options contract-wise, right? X doesn't have – I think this is a very important point, by the way. After this year, after this year, there's like $4 million in guarantees over his three remaining years. That's not a lot, right? So that certainly comes into play. His base salary comes into play, which, like I said, is 12, 12, 11, and 11, give or take. Um, a few hundred thousand here or there. So what, what do you do? So – I, if I look at the rest of the roster, Byron Jones was okay, if if that last year, right? He was not great. Um, Noah Igbenogany, you, there's still a lot of potential there. Obviously, after one year, it was there was a lot to be desired, but there's a lot of potential there. Guys like Nick Needham, right? Um, Justin Coleman, some of these other guys on the roster, none of them are even close to the level that Xavier Howard is playing at, right? Your defense is built on the idea of having, right, it currently built on the idea of having strong, exceptionally strong secondary play that will buy an extra second for the pass rush to get to the quarterback, right? Because we, we don't have on this team a definitive threat at edge rusher somewhere. Now you've got a couple of guys with potential, right, in the Andrew Van Ginkles, in the Jalen Phillips, right, some guys who are could potentially be that this year, but based on what we saw last year, there's no double-digit sack monster on this team, right? So if I'm looking at how the defense is built, the secondary needs to be good enough to generate another half-second, second for that pass rush to get to a, an opposing quarterback, right? If that's how you are structuring your defense, then you need to you need to do what you need to do to make sure that you keep Xavier Howard in Miami. Now, if you break the bank for him, you got to recognize that you're going to have to probably shave some money elsewhere, and you're probably going to have to sacrifice Mike Kosicki or Emmanuel Agba in some way, right? Because both of them are also seeking contract extensions, and you already brought back Baker. Okay, so if if you are I think Miami needs to do what they need to do to keep him because that's a talent that you've, you just, you have once in a lifetime, right? Cause Zayden Howard is a, is an exceptional cornerback. One of the better ones in the, in the league. I think you need to do what you need to do to keep him within reason. Um, I think trading him, if you're going to trade him, you should have already done it or you should be doing it within the next week because you don't want any value to decrease on him. Right. Um, but if if Miami wants to win, right, their secondary needs to be the strongest it can possibly be, and that's with Xavier Howard, not without him. Uh, I'm 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 very inclined to agree, and I'm I'm torn on this, and I I feel I feel very torn. Obviously, as a fan, I love watching Xavier Howard play. I love the fact that we have in Miami. Uh, well, I think it's the best cornerback in the NFL, or certainly was last year. Um, now, 
the way I break it down is in a couple of pieces. Obviously, it's really hard to swallow when it's really hard to swallow the fact that you just paid this guy to be, you paid him exactly what he wanted. You probably overpaid him at the time because he hadn't had a season like this yet. You paid him as the top cornerback in the NFL. And now, two years since then, one year into that new extension, he's already asking for more. That's hard to swallow. But tough. You do it because you have the best cornerback in the NFL. And now if Xavier Howard is coming to you and saying, I want to again be the top uh, highest paid cornerback in the NFL, meaning he wants to go from 15 million a year to 20 million a year, which is what Jalen Ramsey has as the top cornerback in the NFL. That's a lot. So I'm not obviously in Miami's accounting books. I don't know exactly what that would do to who they're planning to extend going forward. And because I'm sure they plan this cap three, four years out ahead. But you're in the window. Like, we've talked about on the show so many times, Nick, that um, the best situation you could be in as an NFL team competing is to have a quarterback on their rookie deal and to build a team, a really strong team around them because you have the money to do it while the quarterback's on the rookie deal, and try to win then. And obviously, if you have a superstar legend like a Brady or a Rodgers or a Breeze, that's different. But for the most part, it, you really, it's really hard to win unless you have a Hall of Fame quarterback when, you're, when your quarterback's not on the rookie deal. That's why you see teams like the Raiders and the Vikings, these teams with really good quarterbacks, but not great quarterbacks, struggling to win when they're paying so much money. So if that means that you need to give three or four more million to Xavier Howard, God, just do it. Because yes. it, he means so damn much to this defense. He's just that good. So if Chris Greer is sitting there trying to nickel and dime, I don't know that he is, but if he is... He's, he's got to do a reality check because whether you pay Xavier Howard 18 or 19 probably won't matter as much as it will to lose Xavier Howard. Right. I'm, I'm 100% with you. You pay him, you know, because at the end of the day, you, like I said, like if you if you felt comfortable with your options behind him, then maybe you can consider letting him, you know, doing something to maybe get rid of him, right? But, Justin, would you feel comfortable with – no. Byron Jones and Noah Igbenogany as your starting cornerbacks? No. No. Answer answer, no. And, and, yeah, anyone else who – anyone who says yes? And it's a resounding watch, no. Yeah, did not watch Dolphin football last year. It's a resounding right? no. Again, I think Igbenogany, there's still a ton of potential there. I like Nick Needham. I think he's done a great job for this team when, when he's been called upon. But not, not as an every-down starter, right? And Byron Jones was – the problem, the problem that Miami got themselves into, right, was you paid Xavier and then you overpaid Byron Jones, and right. then Xavier Howard was just like, "Oh yeah, okay, you overpaid him. Watch this Defensive Player of the Year campaign. Now where are we at?" Right. So everything. The Dolphins kind of screwed themselves up on this, and the, the only problem. way to write it is to it, they have to pay him. They they have to pay him. Listen again, if he wants, you know. 20 million a year something insane like that all right buddy we all know that's probably not going to happen but if if his demands are reasonable and you can swing it i i say i say you swing it you know especially when you consider the other two guys who i just mentioned that are looking for extensions agba and um gasicki you've already drafted gasicki's replacement clearly 
right? <laughs> in um, oh my goodness, now now it's blanking on Uncle, yeah. yeah. So you already got his replacement, so you're not worried about that. And Agba did have a career year last year, but can he do it again? And there's no guarantee that he can do it again. You arguably maybe got his replacement in Jalen Phillips, right? So it it, it looks I, I would feel stronger, I would feel more comfortable if Miami went with Long and Phillips over Gasicki and um, Agba as opposed to Igbenogany over Howard. I think I think you pay Howard. And here's the thing. My guess is um, Xavier Howard's agent, David Coulter, and uh, and X himself know that asking for J- Jalen Ramsey money, a raise from a base salary of $12 million a year up to twenty, that's probably unrealistic, right, in, in renegotiating yeah. this deal. So – my, my guess is that's not what's ha- that's not what's happening. Here's here's what's my guess, and we'll see if they could come to a negotiation uh, and a deal. I'd love to see if this comes true. X has, like I said, about four million left in guaranteed money over the next uh, over the next bunch of years after this year. My guess is X going into his age twenty eight season, he'll be twenty eight this year. Given his injury history, right, because he's very rarely completed a full season. Last year was one of the only ones where he stayed healthy the, almost the entire year. Is saying. I don't necessarily need Jalen Ramsey money. I want to raise, but what I want most is the security to know that I am a cornerstone piece on this defense for the next three years. Not that after this year, when my dead money goes down to under $3 million and you could easily cut me if I get hurt or have a bad year, I'm gone. That's my guess, that he wants guaranteed insurance over the next three years of this contract. I'm sure he also wants to be the highest-paid cornerback on this team, which, let's face it, that's not a... That's not a huge – we could do that. Look at the cap space for next year. You could give him a race. It's, it's doable to go over Byron Jones. So I'm, I'm calling my shot. If they renegotiate his deal before training camp, it's going to be a slight raise, let's say 2 to $3 million to get him over that Byron Jones hump, uh, and a lot more guarantees over the next uh, – over these, these last few years of his contract. That's, that's my guess. I think that's a very solid guess, and um, I don't think an unreasonable request. So I think you do it. You just you do it. You accept it. You move on. You make a push for the playoffs. That's what you need to do. So let's talk about this Jerome Baker extension because it was a polarizing move on Dolphins Twitter, as pretty much all moves are. Jerome Baker signed a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar extension that's going to be tacked on to his last year, which is this coming season, where he's only making about two and a half million in base salary. Now, just for context, so everyone's aware, that makes Jerome Baker at $13 million a year average, uh, the 17th highest paid linebacker uh, when you discount for outside or inside, right? That's just total linebacker. So obviously that matters because when you just say linebacker, you're including guys like Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, who are more edge rushers, Shaq Barrett. Mm-hmm. So 17th total. Uh, Jerome Baker does do a lot of pass rush. He had seven sacks last year. That's a lot for a, uh, a linebacker who's not considered an edge rusher. Uh, and for inside linebackers, he is the seventh highest paid behind Bobby Wagner, CJ Mosley, Zach Cunningham, Deion Jones, Miles Jack, and Shaq Thompson. Seventh highest paid. Uh, that'll likely very uh, change very soon when guys like Darius Leonard Fred Warner, and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Those are the next three big inside linebackers who are looking to be looking to be paid. My guess is all supersede uh, Jerome Baker's money. So it'll probably be by the end of this offseason, uh, if those deals get done, which at least one or two of them are expected to, uh, 
the tenth. He'll be in the end, uh, the the back end of the top ten. So, what what were your thoughts here? This is obviously a a sign the Dolphins are putting out, saying we are counting on Jerome Baker to be an anchor of this defense going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of was already an anchor for the defense going uh, previously, no? Because he was right. He was one of the guys that. He played every single snap. Now, were all the snaps good? No, but uh, but he he does a lot and he brings a lot to the position because he is athletic and he is capable of doing a lot of things at the inside linebacker spot that other guys across the league might not be able to do. Um, he is not a consistent pass rusher, but if you can just if you make sure that that's not his primary role on the team, I think he's a very good linebacker. And like I said, the athleticism is great, right? His speed, his athleticism at that spot are, you know, there aren't many that are better than him in that regard. Um, I think it's a pretty safe play or pretty, uh, maybe not safe. safe, Maybe safe is not the right word, right? But I think it's a decent play by the Dolphins because you don't, you're banking on him in his third year in Brian Flores' system to really excel and if he does excel, then you are going to have to probably pay him a lot more next offseason, right, to keep him. And this way you keep a guy who you know is going to be cons- at least consistent for you, right, and then hopefully grow a little bit more and be even better in this next year. So I, I think I think it was a good move by this front office. Yeah, the money's a lot. Is he the seventh best inside linebacker in the league? Uh, I don't know about that, but the you know he could he thrives in this defense he does well in this defense I'm comfortable with it I'm comfortable with it too and I had friends I was texting saying that it was an overpay and I put it up on Twitter people were saying it was an overpay it may have been but when you have homegrown talent and I first of all I'm not so sure it was but when you have homegrown talent I don't think like that um who you want to keep around, right? The whole idea is to draft well and keep the guys you draft when you draft well. This is this was his market value. If you, like you said, if he had an equal, uh, a better or even equal year next year, he was getting more than this on the open market because guys like that who are only twenty four and are still yep. ascending, they, they get, get paid. paid more than that on the open market. So, listen, this is a guy I'm knocking on wood here who has not missed a game. This is a guy who's gotten better every single year he's been in the NFL. He clearly fits Brian Flores' system well. He can rush the passer. He's gotten, he was really weak defending the run in his first year in the league. He's much better at that now, much better at reading the offense, recognizing plays. He's clearly the defensive leader of the team at this point, captain, especially with Bobby McCain now gone. So I, I, I was a real fan of this deal, especially because, like we said, my guess is that a year from now, like we're talking about with this, this whole X deal, this 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 contract is going to look pretty average, pretty maybe even a steal if Jerome Baker um, even stays uh, relatively equal to what to the play he was last year. And all all signs are indicating that not only should he be equal, but if he stays healthy, he should continue to improve because the defense around him uh, is getting better too, with guys like Jalen Phillips bringing in other defensive leaders like Jason McCourty. So uh, I was I was a fan of this deal. Would I have liked it to come in a million or two cheaper? Sure. But I, I would – the way I kind of tried to evaluate this is would I rather have seen him walk than pay him $13 million a year? And the answer to that for me is is an easy no. 
The other interesting piece that you brought up earlier that, that's uh, important context to it, and I'm curious where you feel like this lands, is that the Dolphins have uh, three players before Jerome Baker signed his extension who were going to be, be notable names hitting free agency next year. It was Baker, Ogba, and Mike Gusecki. Other names who are also going to be free agents are Jerome Smythe, Albert Wilson, and then restricted free agents in Preston Williams and Nick Needham. Again, the big three obviously being uh, Baker, Ogba, and Gusecki. Is Baker who you would have preferred to lock up first of that trio? Yes, um, because I think he has been more consistent uh, of a playmaker um, over his time in Miami than the others were. So, yes, I, I think I think in terms of the order of it, I think the right move was him first. I agree. Uh, so when I put I put that question out on Twitter, uh, notable Dolphins free agents uh, who are have contracts expiring in twenty twenty two. And the resounding, um, the resounding consensus was that obviously those big three were the most important. The one, um, Ogba seemed to be the consensus last one, which I think is fair because it was his only really strong year in the NFL last year. Um, and that's someone who you kind of want to see repeat production again before you sink yeah. significant money and a big raise into. Gusecki was pretty close to Baker when I put that question out on Twitter. The thing for um, me... Is Not that, me. yeah, the thing for me is that I, I, I would rather lock down my defensive cornerstone piece than the tight end who's really good, but he's going to command so much money in an extension because of his athleticism and the potential he displayed. And I'm not even sure, he, he's not even a second option in the passing game right now. It's, it's, I don't even know if he's top three. Is he third? I was going to say, is he even third? I don't think so because he hasn't done any. Listen, I, 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 even if can't... he is, it's it's really flat across those. Across, if he's, let's say, in the top three, it's really flat across the top four between Waddle, Fuller, Parker, and Gusecki. And like you said, they just drafted Hunter Long, who I'm not saying is going to be Mike Gusecki, but there's depth there. And when it comes to goal line situations, we're usually talking about Durham Smythe, right? So – it, it, I don't know. Gesicki, I would actually put Gesicki probably third on that list um, because if if Agba can have a second season of almost double-digit sacks, I think he's in line for an extension over Gesicki because I don't think, yeah, he can jump real high, but it doesn't matter much if the production's not there. So, And it's been three years of you and I saying, all right, this is Gesicki's year. This is Gesicki's year. I want Gesicki to be more involved in the offense. I want to see him make those plays. And three years in a row, he hasn't really done that. So I, I would probably sign Ogma over Gesicki because you've got enough tight ends on the roster, right? And if Hunter Long is any decent, is decent enough for you to take him over a running back or uh, a couple of other positions of need um, in the draft, then then maybe maybe you don't need to worry too much about Gesicki. And he flashed some elite play last year. But flashed is the key word, right? Because he had 700 yards and six touchdowns. So, again, flash some elite play. But if he hits free agency next year, and I'm assuming he'd command, uh, he'd ask for similar money, given what he just displayed last year in terms of talent, not necessarily statistics, but talent, he's probably asking for what Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith got. He's asking for... He, he, he certainly had better statistics than Johnny Smith, right? So he's probably asking for that 14-ish million dollar a okay. year. So then it's a perfect comparison, right? If he wants 14 million, who would you rather give 14 million to, Justin? Jerome Baker or Mike Kosicki? 
I don't even think there's a question there. I feel like I can it's just answer it for you, right? Yeah, no, it's 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 Jerome Baker. Sorry, Hunter Henry and Hunter Smith got twelve and a half, which is five hundred thousand dollars less than what Jerome Baker got. So would would you I, give Gasicki eleven? I wouldn't. Instead of Jerome Baker, or just in general? Oh, uh, I would. In general, I would not. That I, I would be close for me. That'd be close. I, that's what that's about what Austin Hooper got. Yeah, and what did he do? Yeah, very very little. That's very the little. Thing, Give, you, can't, you can't pay for hyper athleticism. It doesn't work out. And, you got to pay. Can't pay everyone, and you can't pay. And everyone. you can't pay everyone. And I'd rather have a more consistent, albeit not as explosive, sometimes player in Jerome Baker than a you never know what you're going to get. You might get 100 yards. You might get three games with no statistics at all. Mike Kosicki. As especially and again, if Mike Kosicki was to his primary option, fine. But he's not like. You he's have not. Will Fuller. You ha- you just drafted Jalen Miley. You have Devontae Parker. My guess is uh, Miles Gaskins would be pretty dang involved in the passing game, too. You just drafted Hunter Long in the third round. The team seems to really like Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen, by the way, who got an extension. And then they picked yeah. up someone named Stephen Carter, who that Well, that's the thing, uh, exists. They, have, they have populated that tight end room, and yeah. like there's no guarantee that Mike Gesicki is going to be better than any of those guys. Like I said, when it, where does Gesicki do most of his damage, right? Down the middle of the field. Yeah, you got Jalen Waddell. He's not an option in the, in the, at the goal line because they usually go to Shaheen or Smythe. They have at least over the last couple seasons. So wh- where does Gesicki fit in? I think he fits in really well with a team that's willing to overpay him somewhere else. Wow, Nick has drawn a line in the sand on Mike Gusecki. I just I, – listen, I want him to produce. I want him to be good because I've, I've noticed that there's tons of potential there and there's no question about it. Just – I get it. 11 touchdowns some catches. three years does not, does not scream, you know, Doesn't scream $12 million, million dollar year contract. contract. Yeah. Sure no, I, 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 I get it. Because if you can get Hunter Long – let's say, again, Gusecki last year, 700 yards, six touchdowns. If you could get in 15 games, if – Hunter Long could get 500 yards and four touchdowns, right? That's that's very similar, obviously not the same, but similar production for 10% of the price. And 500 yards and four touchdowns is not a crap ton to ask from your third-round tight end. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Whether or not they extend either uh, Ogba or Gusecki or both, over this over this next couple months will probably be one of the top um, summer storylines for the Miami Dolphins. I don't obviously think they behind uh, Xavier Howard. You don't think they, they should extend either at this point. I don't think so. I think uh, I, I just I, there's so there's so much unknown with especially Gasicki. I think you wait, make him prove it. Yeah, Ogba is interesting because they've uh, Drew, I think it's Drew Rosenhaus is his agent uh, Og has said that Ogba will report and has reported now. It's a mandatory minicamp but wants an extension. So do you as a team say, let's say they want $10 million a year. Let's just, I think that's probably a fair mark given the number of sacks he had last year. Would you pay him three years, 30 million, or would you risk him going out, putting up 10 or 12 sacks and then having to pay him a lot more or losing him? I don't know if he's going to, I would wait. I think I would, I think I would wait because it was a career year for him last year and there's more, competition on the roster that should generate a better pass rush than he would, right? Shaq Lawson was not a threat to take snaps away from Ogba, but Jalen Phillips is. 
Interesting. I, I think I agree only because this was the only year. I'll go put up nine sacks. If he does it again, he's going to be paid a lot in free agency. If he puts up nine, 10, 11, 12 sacks, it was the only year that he had had more than five and a half. So obviously, I think you want to see him try to do that again, like you said, with more competition on the defensive line. Between Raekwon Davis, uh, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, who they already extended, Jalen Phillips, a first-round pick, Andrew Van Ginkle getting in there on the pass rush, Jerome Baker rushing the pass rush, uh, rushing the passer sometimes. Uh, whether or not I was able to get those sack numbers again is definitely up for a fair debate. So I think I'm inclined to agree. You put your money into Baker, which I think was the right move. Now you put more into X, just make that happen. And then you listen, you tied up two contractual loose ends and you see what happens with Gusecki and Ogba and, you know, be smart with your money there. If I'm going to be stingy, let's say with the three contractual things we have left, if I could put the money on one of them, it's X. I think that's, that's the bottom line for me. That ties up most of the primary uh, camp storylines. I think the last thing that merits some discussion here uh, before we wrap up this Dolphin-centric episode, um, unless there's there's more stuff you want to jump into, but before we go there, uh, an article came out in The Athletic today from uh, Josh Valentino. Shout out to him, by the way. He's moving up to Philly to cover the, uh, the Eagles for the Philly Inquirer. Has done a lot of great work for the Dolphins with The Athletic. Shout out to him. Positional battles, guys who are at risk of being cut, who have been pretty regular contributors on this team, most obviously were at wide receiver. If you were to just make a prediction now, early June, mid-June, how many receivers do the Dolphins keep and who stays? Because the hot seat is clearly at the wide receiver position on the back end of that roster. Okay, so I, to answer your question, I'm going to tell you who makes the roster and then see, and then see how the numbers play out. Okay. All right. So, so obviously Parker, Fuller, Williams, Waddle, right? Without question. Okay. I'm going to assume your list is already different than Josh Chilantino's. Just letting you know. In terms of walks. He's he's probably cutting Preston Williams, right? Yeah, he swapped Bowden for Preston Williams. Yeah, so I think I think I would then put Bowden in. Um. And then I'd probably ooh, I would probably keep Jakeem Grant, uh, oh. for, but but the only reason I would keep him is I would never ask him to run a route for me ever again. It would be in the return game, although you could get some decent returns out of some of the other guys in the roster. But I just I don't I don't like what Alan Hearns gives you. I don't like what Albert Wilson gives you. If I had to choose one between those three, I think I'd feel more comfortable with Grant just because he can give you something else in a different facet of the game. Okay, so that's interesting. You're keeping six. I think six because it, the, my issue with the receiver group is that the top, your top three guys, right, Williams, Parker, and Fuller have all had injury histories, and even Jalen Waddle's coming off an ankle injury. So because of the potential fragility of the position, I think six is, is safe. You know, I, I, w- I was considering going to seven. Guys. Oh, Oh, I was considering. I I think there's a potential that they go seven only because they re-signed Mac Hollins, who I do not like as a wide receiver, but who's probably God, a top I three gunner. Him. He's a top three gunner in the NFL, and Flores values his special teams versatility. So, for for me, I don't even think I'm keeping Grant because I I'd rather have, you know, one of my last corners or Lynn Bowden. 
returning kicks and, and add value elsewhere. Cause I, I love Jakeem Grant and as electric as he is in the return game, he also makes mistakes in the return game. Like he, he, sure. makes punts he, makes mis- too often. he makes mistakes all the time. Justin. I, I get that he's, <laughs> he's like a pro bowl caliber returner, but there's just, there's, there's too much inconsistency there. And I, I he's so much fun to root for because of the size and it's a fun story, whatever. But I'm keeping Parker, Fuller, Bowden, Waddle, Preston Williams is five. And I, I think as I, Matt Collins's lack of hands annoys uh, me. It annoys me, uh, but he's a really good special teams contributor. And then, but you can, I feel like you can find another guy to fill that slot. I think it's easier to find a better, uh, a replaceable gunner than it is a, a returner. Sure, but who would you rather have catching passes, Hollins or Grant? Neither. I would. I, I'm just saying. Let's say you have around. receiver attrition, injuries wise. That's my answer. He's not on the roster, though. I know it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are also this is Kirk Merritt by the way who we haven't talked about at all Robert Foster who they signed in free agency uh, Malcolm Perry who they picked in the 7th round last year and then we kind of glossed over also um, Albert Wilson so oh I didn't I, I did not uh, like mistakenly gloss over Albert Wilson I don't think he makes his team he's not making a whole heck of a lot of money right and he's probably he by far i i'm I'm saying this with extreme confidence after your top five and even considering some of the top five he is a far more accomplished wide receiver right he's he's more accomplished wide receiver, arguably than than Bowden or even preston so i mean what but i I might keep him how do you define accomplished because what has he done that makes him accomplished well, he has a lot more career receiving yards. Than, yeah, how many? Oh, than, than who? Than Preston Williams or Lynn Bowden. Okay, how many years are we talking in terms of service in the NFL difference? Uh, a couple. I, listen, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's like the most accomplished receiver in the NFL. I'm just saying he, I, I, would, I would like to count on Albert Wilson to catch passes over, let's say, Jakeem Gra- I'll have Albert Wilson return kicks. For God's sake, because uh, he's a that's I'm, better, but the, so much I, rather I trot him out as a receiver, and he's making like no money. But I, I just don't like the argument that he has more numbers. Yeah, well, he, he should. He's been in the league seven years, where, compared to uh, the rest of them being in the league, the league a year and a half. No, I, I understand that. that. I'm not saying you should keep him over Bowden or Preston Williams. I am saying that I would rather keep Albert Wilson as a seventh receiver than maybe no one as a seventh receiver or over Jakeem Grant as my returner slash sixth receiver. Because like you said, this is a very fragile wide receiver group at the top in terms of injury history. And if Parker goes down and Fuller goes down, which, hey, let's face it, are both very possible scenarios, who do you want to trot out there instead? I would rather trot out Albert Wilson than Jakeem Grant. Sure. And I, I do understand that that side of it, but um... – Anyway, we're arguing at, we're at about the sixth or yeah, seventh receiver. Yeah, the receiver who probably won't play much. Right, exactly. Um, but it is definitely one of the more interesting Miami Dolphins minicamp storylines because there are a lot of players on the roster at this position. I mean, like, it's kind of odd, right? You sign Robert Foster, like, like, no one assumes that he's going to make the team. Like, just to cut him, it just feels odd. What they've done at the receiver position um, at the back end is just kind of odd. The fact they haven't cut Jakeem Grant yet or Albert Wilson yet, the fact that they went out and re-signed Mac Hollins and then signed Robert Foster, 
Mac friggin' Hollis. It just just a a a a bunch of a bunch of odd moves. And and again, Malcolm Perry's still sitting there too. Alan Hearns still sitting there, haven't cut him. So who knows? That'll be a fun. I forgot about Malcolm Perry. I like Malcolm Perry. I I like him too. Let's have him return kicks. Let's have him return. That's true. That's true. Bye, Grant. You're out. Sorry, buddy. Or just Austin Grant. I, I think he gets the most hate of any, uh, most universal hate of any player on Dolphins Twitter. But like, not defended it, at all. But he brings it all on himself. He posts all these videos about him making these insane catches, and then you ask him to, to catch a five-yard button hook, and he can't do that. Or one of two his nicest passes of the year, and he can't do that. That's what really got the ire of most Dolphins. You, you ask him to catch COVID. Cincinnati uh, game. He can't catch a cold, man. Uh, you, you, you almost made a... We'll gloss right over. We'll gloss right over that. Any anything else you want to jump into before we go <laughs> to the wild card question of the day? Uh, I am good. I, is it my turn for the wild card? Because I totally forgot to get a wild card. No, I actually, so I so I have one. Courtesy, thank God, of of my Zadie, who anyone doesn't know that is that is Yiddish grandfather. He submitted a wild card question for us to use on the show today. So shout out to Zadie here. And this is a fun one. It's sports-related, but I mean, keep it non-football-related, as we always promise our wild-card questions are non-football-related. So, the question is, Nick, of all of the major sports tournaments in the world every year, which three are the best? Which three are the best? So, obviously, we're not counting the Super Bowl, because A, it's not really a tournament, and B, uh, it's football-related, and we're shying away from football. But we've got a lot of options. We have the Masters. We have Wimbledon. We have the NCAA Championship, right, in basketball. We've got a lot of options here. The Stanley Cup, the uh, MLB playoffs. A lot of options to choose from. Where are you going to go? So I Three am favorite major sports tournaments. Major sports tournaments. And uh, you're Can a fan I... of soccer, as I understand as yes. well. That, that so may come into play. Cup, the World Cup, 100%. Ooh, okay. Um. Because the World Cup is just incredible. That's like every four uh, years, but I guess we'll count it. Right. That's why it's even better than the other ones, because it happens every four years. I guess I, I, right? I, so I, I, guess I didn't say years. yearly. Right. That's fair. Yeah. And it's it's more complicated, right? Every four years, you only get the chance to prove you're the best in the world. So definitely the World Cup. Um, I am I'm leaning towards the Masters. And the NCAA tournament. Okay. Those are the ones I'm going with. Because the Masters, like, as much as I hate watching golf, I somehow always turn that on on Sunday. I'm always paying attention to that on Sunday, especially when the storylines are great. And the last couple of years, the storylines have been great. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Masters as a as – because, a, you know, I was thinking about going with, like, the NBA playoffs, but I'm just – I just I feel like by the end of the NBA playoffs I'm over the NBA playoffs and yeah, I, don't I purposely that left about, that one out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel that way about uh, the the golf tournaments or. Uh, was that in order that you just said? Uh, you, were you ranking them? I don't know about the back two. I would say again, Super Bowl not allowed to be in the conversation. I would probably say the World Cup is on top, and then the other two are I would say interchangeable. My only other one is Wimbledon and. Yeah, I would like to give that an honorary mention. Okay, wait. So you were World Cup, you said NCAA tournament, and uh, Masters. Yes, and then Wimbledon as like a very a very complimentary uh, honorable mention because Wimbledon's up okay. there too. 
We, we have we have some crossover. I, I wasn't even considering the World Cup because it's not something that happens every year. That so wasn't even like necessarily on my radar, but it probably should be if we're not necessarily putting a yearly stipulation. Although then at that point, are we like counting the Olympics because that also happens? Every, oh, and it's true. kind of a it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Well, I, I would say I would tell you that I am more glued to my TV with the World Cup than I am with the Olympics. Sure, and because so there's a lot of Olympic sports that I'm just like, okay, what are we doing here? Although curling gets me every time. Oh goodness! So I have, a, I mean, if we're including, I have to include that too. And and I think that there's something really special about the entire world. I mean, we were talking about this last, um, a couple of days ago when I was thinking about the French Open. There's something really special about when the entire world comes together to watch and, and root for and cheer for and be passionate about the same thing. And I don't think you get that with anything, any sporting event. It, this might even be more the so than the Olympics because a lot of people only care about one or two events. I don't think that happens with any more so than the World Cup. And so that has to yeah. be on the list. Um, beyond that, I have Wimbledon for largely the same reasons. I'm also just a, uh, a, a very strong casual fan of tennis. I, I really like watching tennis, even though I don't really know many more than the top players, but I, I really do enjoy watching tennis. Um, and again, same thing, you know, whole, whole world coming together to watch a single sporting event. I think is kind of cool. And you, you certainly get that with Wimbledon, even people who don't even care about tennis. I uh, know what's happening with Roger Federer and Djokovic and Nadal. Right. Uh, and then beyond that, for me, this is this one's just personal indulgence. I think the most fun American playoff sport to watch uh, outside of football, for considering the other big three, for me is far and away hockey. I love playoff hockey. I think even casual fans, uh, even fans who don't ever watch hockey, could turn on the Stanley Cup playoffs and be thoroughly entertained. I mean, it's just the most uh, intense, action-packed sport really in uh in in the in the united states so i'm i'm going stanley cup playoffs for my third slot but march madness is up there as well because again everyone coming together and watch that same thing and and, and like, pretty darn interesting it's, it's just the one that like, i have the most invested in you know because sure. every year we're doing brackets every year we're yeah. putting money down right i'm not i'm not doing that with the masters or with yeah. the playoffs for hockey or anything it's always it's always that NCAA tournament, you know. There's something about March Madness that just gets the whole world or the whole country, at least, to sit down and just pay attention to that for a little bit. I am very curious to see what happens here with this whole idea. Have you kept up at all with the uh, college football playoff tournament idea? Yes, do it, around out there? do it, do it, 110% do it. Nick Bellotto is teams endorsing better. the college football. It's getting, it's getting some flack, though, for a, a lot of the same reasons college football does in general. The same few teams would dominate. But I agree. Why not put more, uh, you know, high no. stakes? Outside of the top three teams, maybe the top four teams these last few years, the rest, five through 12, have constantly been interchangeable. I am all for it. No, I'm I'm in as well. I, I think more high stakes football is... Is is certainly a plus from an entertainment value perspective. So, and um, you know, if you're if you're a team that drops an opening game, like if you're if you're a Florida, for example, you lose that op- that second week matchup to Alabama, you still got a chance to prove them wrong later on. I, I think right. uh, I'm all for it, 100 percent all for it. There's no way you can talk me out of it, so don't bother. And, and I won't because I'm also into Thank it. You. It would be very <laughs> very interesting. Listen, a lot of players opt out of bowl games. What do you do? Do you opt out? If your team is in the tournament, but let's say the twelfth seed, like that, that would cause some controversy. If you that would chance, suck. That that would be interesting. 
that would suck. But if you're, let's let let's handle that one as we go. Sure. <laughs> All righty, we have reached or are coming up on the hour mark here. Wow, which. It's pretty impressive since we recapped Dolphins minicamp day one, but we managed to milk a lot out of it. So self pat on the back, self pat on the back for us. Anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I'm good to go. We're good to go. All right, we will be back later this week to uh, continue our off-season report card series, grading all of the divisions and the individual teams with regards to how they handled free agency, the draft, and their off-season as a whole. Um, I'm I, I'm I'm blanking on what division we were going to next. The we just NFC did, South. Yes, we just did the AFC South with the whole Julio uh, trade. So NFC South coming up at the end of the week. Make sure to tune in live on the locker map. We'll let you guys know when we're going live to record our show uh, for that report card uh, for that report card episode. But until then, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.